The Boiler Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by Mad Mushroom, home of the original cheese sticks. Proudly serving Purdue's campus, Mad Mushroom offers Boilermakers amazing pizza, cheese sticks, wings, grinders, and so much more. Next time you visit, tell them Boiler Breakdown sent you for $5 off any order over $20. Mad Mushroom, feed your head. The Boiler Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by Webb's Family Pharmacy. Webb's Family Pharmacy is an independently owned community pharmacy with stores located in Rochester, Akron, and North Manchester, Indiana. Webb's is happy to announce that they are providing flu shots by appointment right in your car. Simply call to set up an appointment and their friendly and caring staff will be happy to help you. For all of your high quality medical equipment, supplies, and pharmacy services, check out www.webrx.com or give them a call. Webb's Family Pharmacy, the professional pharmacy with the hometown touch. The Boiler Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Shroff Landscaping. Shroff Landscaping has been in business for over 50 years and can handle all of your landscaping needs, including landscape design, maintenance, irrigation, hardscaping, fall cleanup, and they are licensed lawn applicators. Contact Mitch Melton today for all of your landscaping needs at 317-694-9763. Shroof Landscaping, design with you in mind. This is Carson Edwards from the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to the Boiler Breakdown Podcast, hosted by Tanner Lee, Evan Webb, and Andrew Eiler. Here's a, a, a program right now that's in the middle of the pack, but I want to be at the top of the pack pretty quickly, and I think we have an opportunity. It's kind of it's unique. When I took the Kent State job, People looked at me like I was crazy. They said, they haven't won there in 40 years. Why would you take that job coming from Ohio State? I bit my lip, and we went to work. And that's what we're going to do here, and we're going to win championships here. You know, every time someone asks you a, a comment or a question about at, right after the game, what happened, and we say, coaches say, I got to look at the film, a lot of times you guys think it's a, it's a ploy not to answer the question, but that's not it at all. It's, it's true. There's a lot of things happening, and you don't know exactly what's happened. But the film was very encouraging, and uh, I told our team that yesterday. I said, there's a good football team sitting in this locker room right now, and I, I believe that. Uh, and like Boiler legend and current Boston Celtics guard Carson Edwards just said, you are listening or watching the Boiler Breakdown podcast. I'm Tanner Lee, joined by Evan Webb and Andrew Eiler. Well, boys, we continue our series of going back and reviewing the Purdue football eras that we can remember. So yeah. we covered Joe Tiller. <laughs> kind of remember. Week, kind of remember. <laughs> for the most part. Still don't want to remember. Uh, yeah, I think blocked out of our minds is what I think. Yeah. And then that's that's a good intro here because we covered Danny Hope last week. So that leads next up. The era from 2013 to 2016, which most Boilermaker fans try to forget or have forgotten the Daryl Hazel era. Oh, boy. <laughs> Perfect timing there, Webby, as he cracks open. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? It is a, it's called a two by four. It looks like it's a double IP from Melvin Brewery. Uh, the slogan is don't hate party. And it's 9.9%. Very fitting for tonight's podcast. You're going to need all 9.9% of that alcohol, I think, to get through this. Uh, A lot of bad, bad memories we're going to be talking about. But um, here we go, I guess, first off, and I'm really interested in your guys' answers here. (laughs) When you hear of the Daryl Hazel era at Purdue, what comes to mind? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, what? Don't hold back. 
<laughs> it makes me think of is a really bad time to be a student because that was my, <laughs> going into be my junior year, and that was you know going into that year. Uh, we, you know, we had optimism of football. We just come off six wins, new coach, energy, and all that. But then we had what we had with the one and eleven season. Plus, then you also had the basketball season that we had, where it was just, you know, last place and last place, and just really sucked. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I was there too as a student yeah. with you at least for a couple of those years, and it was the worst time to be a student for Purdue athletics. But yeah. uh, how about you, Andrew? Um, mine, it was always just like a letdown. It was, um, I remember we talked about it when Hazel was hired. We were fairly happy. I felt like I was like, man, Ohio state guy, Jim Trussell loved like good recommendation came from, I mean, like didn't he go to the Fiesta bowl with Kent state right before, uh, not the Fiesta bowl. It was oh, actually was it? The, the GoDaddy.com bowl. Okay. It was a good, uh, I thought it was, but they I made the Mac championship. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was yeah. 10 and two. So. I had, I had, uh, maybe I was higher, higher expectations, but it was a lot of, uh, all right, maybe this is the week it's going to, and then like middle of the second quarter, I'm like, I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up for me. It's like, okay, this is the week it's going to click or, you know, I saw something a little positive the week before, you know, but it was nothing ever clicked. Just end up not being the right fit. No consistency, of course. And we'll talk about some of that. I mean, some of those games you would see Purdue shock everybody, be competitive against a team that should have blown their doors off to come mm-hmm. back against a very average team next week and get you absolutely killed. It was like just there was no consistency for weekend, week in, week out. And um, yeah, what I thought was a very professional staff coming in mm-hmm. uh, compared to the Hope staff, uh, a staff that was getting paid a lot better. Yep. Purdue up yeah, to- that was a- yeah, we we're paying a coach like two million dollars. It was like holy crap, we're paying, and we're actually paying for a coach, and that was room for excite or reason for excitement, and uh, just robbery at that point. Yep, but um, Daryl became the coach on uh, December fifth, two thousand and twelve. He was officially announced. So Purdue was actually preparing to play in the uh, part of Dallas Bowl against Oklahoma State with the Danny <laughs> Hope uh, staff and players when he was announced. But let's go back a little bit. What do you guys remember about the head coaching search that Morgan Burke put on there? I honestly don't remember a ton. I wasn't really – I mean, more when we talk, you know, going into the Brom era, I definitely paid a lot more attention to that head coaching search. But for this one, I felt like I, I didn't – I just maybe don't remember. Just maybe just being a student and having other <laughs> responsibilities at the time. Um, I feel like I didn't really pay attention too much to it. I just also just didn't know really where to look at the time. I wasn't mm-hmm. a subscriber to Golden Black, so it was kind of whatever I was getting was probably getting from you, Tanner, um, or you know whatever the, the other various blogs that we follow were posting. But I, I don't remember much of the coaching search at all. I, I don't really either. I'm kind of there. I'm assuming it would have been kind of similar to what it was when it was Brom four years later with Brock's back. Um, shoot, the guy at Air Force. I can't remember his name. Troy Calhoun. Yeah. Troy Calhoun. I don't remember. Was he one? I don't remember. Tanner, you probably know more than we do. But Well, when it comes to the Hazel, um, in, when he ended up getting the job, when it came to the coaching search, yeah, I do remember it pretty well. Um, I was a, still manager at the time. Wait, wasn't – wasn't uh, what's his freaking face? Yeah, there uh, Butch, wasn't Butch choice Jones. number one. Butch Jones was Purdue's yeah. number one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Butch oh, Jones man. was flown into Purdue's airport. And yes. Mike Carmen and some other uh, reporters were caught kind of sneaking out, hiding out at the airport for him to come in. And so he, he was on campus and interviewed for the job, but he ultimately turned Purdue down. 
just didn't think mm-hmm. it was a good enough job. And, and Butch was known for using it as leverage. I mean, he was at Central Michigan, then he went to Cincinnati. He was looking to take that next step. And ultimately, he turned Purdue down. Looked like he was going to be Colorado's coach. Hunted them on for about two weeks, like he was going to accept the job. Or maybe not two weeks, but a little while. And then when Tennessee came open, they offered him. Boom, he was to Tennessee. Failed miserably there. And now, at least last year, he was assistant at Alabama staff. I don't yeah. know if he still is or not. But uh, I totally yeah. spaced that. Yep. Butch Jones was the number one choice. Because, now, yeah. Daryl number some, two, I don't know. I really don't know. Do you, you've told us, wasn't Paul Chris? There was that for the That hope. was the hope. I, yep. This yep. coaching, the last like 15 years of Purdue football, sure. has just blended all together for me as uh, far as timelines and these. Dave Doran was a name thrown around there from Northern yeah, He was yep. already, I think, already accepted the NC State, NC State. job. Yeah, I forgot about is. him. Uh, that was who I wanted. I felt like he was the one that I remember yeah. wanting, actually, now that you say that name. I was okay with Hazel at the time. I they was like, were yeah. the hot commodities out of the map. Those yep. two were the – Northern Illinois beat Kent State in the MAC championship. They both had really good years. Those are the two hot commodities. Um, Sonny Dykes was another yeah. name out there. He ended up going from Louisiana Tech to Cal. He's now at SMU. Um, there was a couple other names, but I know there were some Purdue fans that wanted Jared Parker to um, stay yeah. on as coach, which yep. – he did an all right job as the interim head coach. I mean, he went zero and six, but I uh, was got. They played. Play. They played harder. It looks like. at least. Yeah. But he wasn't fit or ready to take over. So, um, so they got Daryl Hazel. Uh, like I said, on December fifth, two thousand twelve, and here is the cover of Golden Black. It says fresh start. Purdue tabs Hazel as new leader, and I think everybody was excited. He mm-hmm. kind of won everybody over in the press conference. He was real professional. Seemed like he had a plan. Um, he was going to run things kind of like the way they ran Ohio State. So, you know, I thought the recruiting was going to take off to the next level. And didn't you know, he have something to like call? I don't know if it was called like the playbook or like like being like an A player, like where it was it was like a, a massive buy. <laughs> there, there we go. Look at that. We didn't plan this at all. The uh, A players manual. Yep. Yeah. Every every uh, every player literally got a book that kind of laid the foundation of the program out. And he came up with the motto, no brick higher. One brick higher. What? <laughs> I mean, it ended up, it was, it was no brick higher. You're correct. Yeah, That's a better way to say no it. Higher, There's higher, no, which, bricks, no bricks higher in those four years. Which correct. was kind of a cool backstory. Yeah. That I didn't produce history there. Um, it sounded like, I mean, and then we talked about this before. I mean, like the, the kind of pep rally things that they tried to get people excited and he tried to get the students more involved and make Ross a big time thing. And I remember before a basketball game, like right after he retired, he came, um, because before, before every game, uh, Purdue students, obviously we line up a lot, um, much earlier than the general public. And he came to before, I don't remember what game it was. We probably lost, but he came to a game and hung out with the students for like, 20 minutes just kind of shaking everybody's hands. I think he might even brought pizza. I remember I got to shake his hand and it was, it was pretty cool at the time because everyone was super excited about it. So he definitely, like you said, then he definitely won people over at the start. Yeah. And, and I think the game he got introduced was against Michigan state. If I remember correctly, yeah. when Gary Harris went off, but, uh, <laughs> but, but he literally got introduced, came out, waved and that was it. There was no like yeah. speech or anything, which a lot of other programs would do. Um, but yeah, he, he won everybody over from the start, but uh, it didn't last very long, but uh he did sign his first recruiting class in 2013, was ranked 61st by 24-7 sports, 56th by rivals. So not bad for a class he didn't have a whole lot of a hand in, really. I mean, he kind of just 
got them signed on the dotted line and, and kept most of them. Was it last, was it last in the Big Ten? 13, 13th in the Big Ten? I, said, right. I didn't even look that up. I just That's what 247 says, 13. 13. I don't know. You can see the whole list up there on the display, but some of the guys I wrote down that contributed, Dalen Dawkins, who was an early contributor at running back, ended up transferring to Colorado State. Evan Panfield, D'Angelo Yancey, Leroy Clark, Danny Iwichiku, Austin Logan, Jacob Pogel, David Yancey, Danny Etling, Dewan Hunt, just to name a couple. Keontae Green was in that one, didn't he do? He had some moments. The running back? I think he barely touched the field. He was a high recruit, but I, I don't know. He had a good game I, in there. That's written down. I don't think he really ever uh, – Okay. I, I do know after his first year, he came back very heavy the next year and never – Oh, yeah, that's right. You know that. So, so, yeah, so going into the spring, it says leading the way, Henry earns chance. So, Rob Henry finally gets his chance to be quarterback after – it looked like he was going to be the quarterback going into the 2011 season and tore his ACL and never really never really got an opportunity behind Turbush and Marv. Um, and then here's another image that says, getting after it. Boilermakers conclude competitive spring drills. So, yeah, going into the 2013 season, Evan, you were at the opening game. It was at Cincinnati, a very, mm-hmm. very hot game, if I remember correctly. It was insanely hot. Yes, it was. Um Long story short, Purdue hunt in there for a half and then got <laughs> just massacred in the second half. Final score yep. ended up being 42. <clears throat> yeah. What was it? What was the all our, all our eggs are in this one basket right here? Was that, that was that a was couple years later than the uh, game. I, I swear about. that was Cincinnati. Man. No, no, it was it was Marshall in 2015. Uh, that's right. Game, but uh similar. I remember feeling after the Cincinnati game pretty like, uh, like got my hopes up was mm-hmm. up and then we got blown out. But I was also like, okay, first game, mm-hmm. new offensive system, John Schubert, the coordinator. Um, you know, Tiller lost his first game. You know, there's plenty of time. So yeah. I tried to keep myself motivated. <laughs> then week two rolls around, Indiana State comes in. And if it wasn't for a late Ricardo Allen pick. Yep. We probably lose and we win that game 20 to 14. Then I'm like, eh, <laughs> oh, we got to win. Uh, but I knew it was going to be a tall task with number 21 Notre Dame coming into town the next week for a night game, prime time on, uh, I don't know if it was ESPN or ABC. It was one of the two. Um, I remember uh, breakfast clubbing that morning for that game. That was the week I turned 21. Was it? Yeah, it was. So- it was <laughs> breakfast club was a lot of fun. Game was not. Did you make it to the game? Eight p.m. Eight p.m. game. I please. did. I was feeling pretty awful by about eight thirty. So yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Purdue actually played really well this game. Hung in there for a majority of the game. Had to lead for a little while. Mm-hmm. In a falling short, thirty-one uh, twenty-four. <clears throat> but I remember feeling good about that game. I went back yeah. to my apartment, I was talking to my roommates. I'm like, "Yeah, we're one and two, but we're starting to show signs of progress. Like, I think we're gonna get this thing on the right track." Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> um, the following week, we went at number twenty-four, Wisconsin. Surprise, surprise, lost forty-one to ten. <laughs> then we returned home to play a Northern Illinois team that ended up being a BCS team, but we didn't know that at the time. Lost 55-24. Didn't, uh, Andrew, didn't Northern Illinois have a, a receiver that played for CMA? Juwan. Juwan yeah. Breskison, yeah. yeah. He's still playing, actually, in the CFL right now. That's cool. I believe he got a touchdown against Purdue that game. Yeah, probably. 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 Wouldn't surprise me. Now, Evan, I, 
I think it was the next week, but do you remember when Rob Henry was replaced by Danny Elling? Was it this game or the following week? I don't Nebraska? remember. I, I, I honestly, my only member of my only memory of Henry being the quarterback is against Cincinnati. That's the only memory I, I have. I think it was the following week in Nebraska home, which Purdue lost 44 to seven. Yeah. Um, but um, I mean, it's pretty setting a trend there with that Wisconsin game. Blowout, blowout, blowout. So I found the box score for that. Wait, which game do you think it was, Tanner? I would thought Nebraska? It was Nebraska. So in that game, uh, Rob Henry was 0 for 1, and Danny Etling was 14 for 35. Okay, so it must have been the game before against Northern Illinois because I don't know why Henry would throw one pass than Yankee. Yeah. Because he didn't get he got hurt. You sure he didn't get hurt? Uh, yeah. Against Northern Illinois. Yeah, Henry was five for sixteen. Etling nineteen for thirty-nine. Two, no, no, no. two touchdowns, two picks. Okay. Henry was five for what? Sixteen. Oh my god! Yeah, he was pulled and he never saw the field again. Quarterback, they switched <laughs> to safety for the rest of the year, and that's probably that's why. Right. Uh, yeah, I knew he played safety, but I forgot that it was. I didn't know he switched like mid-season. Yep. Gosh. So then we went to Michigan State and lost 14-0. So just I don't remember anything about that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember there. the next game. And number four, Ohio State came in. And I remember this was the <laughs> Purdue football game I ever left early. <laughs> I did not. Zero. I did not. I had a really bad problem with staying for these I massacres. Thought you, I thought you went with my parents and I to Hunter's Pub and you left Maybe early. we did. Maybe we did. Maybe because I had to. If I, yeah. if I had, yeah. If I, my ride was leaving, yes, I had to. Yeah. I started the Wisconsin game down a couple years later where it was pouring down rain. We're losing a billion to zero. And <laughs> <laughs> I stayed for some reason. So, I mean, three weeks in a row, Purdue was 44 to 7, 14 0, 56. I mean, so I'm looking at, I just pulled up the stats. Purdue didn't like run any plays. Like you think if if Ohio State scores stats after the year, if Ohio State scores fifty six points, you got to think like Purdue's going to have the ball a bunch because they're probably like Ohio State scoring quickly. Purdue threw so at length threw the ball twenty nine times, and then like only rushed it like twenty two times. So they ran like fifty plays. Like how does that happen? Maybe shoot (laughs) fence. Uh, you know, I went the next week at home. Fit, another loss, 38-14 at Penn State the following week, 45-21. And then I remember the senior day against Illinois very well because I was not feeling good that morning from going to a concert the night before at the Cactus. <laughs> we lost to a horrible um, Tim Beckman coached Illinois team in freezing <laughs> cold temperatures, 20-16. to 16. Oh, I think I was at this game. I think Illinois I was. It was awful. Yeah. And then we went down to Indiana the following week, and Etling put up like a bazillion yards. It was over 400, but we lost 56-36 and ended the season with – ended the worst Purdue football season in history, at least in my opinion, with a 1-11 record. Nowhere to go but right? So how did you feel after that? So how did you feel after that IU game? Because you see Etling – Etling has 485, four touchdowns, no picks. So you're like, okay, he's – I mean, against an IU, no defense, but still. I was excited about Etling's future. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. okay, he's going to get the spring to get – you know, that's going to be his team. He had a lot of young pieces. I mean, looking at the team, of course, Danny Etling led Purdue in passing, um, 149 completions on 267 attempts, 1,690 yards, 10 touchdowns, seven picks. I was pretty excited about that compared to Henry's 81 <clears throat> completions on 152 attempts, 832 yards, four touchdown six picks but then the rushing stats you had Akeem Hunt led the team with 464 rushes on 123 carries that's not a ton of yards one touchdown um 
Brandon Cottom had 45 carries, 154 yards, one touchdown. Dalen Dawkins, 32 carries, 115 yards. But then you had B.J. Knopf, 14 carries for 92 yards and a touchdown. Raheem Mostert, only 11 carries and 37 yards. I don't remember if he got hurt that year or not. I don't remember either. I know he had a lot of fumbling problems. Yeah, I don't I don't remember if he got hurt. I know he just didn't play much. Um, it was always like it was kick returning, though, right? That was Did the he... thing. It's like so many guys were getting used, but nobody was producing anything. Mm-hmm. And then, like, receiving – can you tell me who led Purdue in receptions? Oh, I'm, I'm looking at it, so I don't have an answer. I Justin Sims. You, I would have guessed 30 names before – 50 names before I even got to him. 41 catches, 340 50 yards. names. Had had yeah, I would have. I would not have remembered him. No, I, I couldn't. I would, not have, I would not have said Sims. Actually, I was looking at this, and I would have been wrong. I would have said Yancey. Yeah, Yancey had the most yards. Yancey about 546. He was only a freshman, wasn't he? Yeah, he had the most but, yards. But yeah, I would, I would have guessed him, but uh, I didn't think he played that much. Receptions and touchdowns were sins. I mean, you had Cameron Posey at 26 catches, 297 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Danny Anthrop, 17 catches, 313 yards, two touchdowns. Raheem Mostert, one catch for six yards. Gary Bush, who'd been in the program for three years, 10 catches for 57 yards. <laughs> Abe Holmes, nine catches for 69 <clears throat> yards. Delapa McCarthy, one catch for six yards. Patrick Beatty, one catch for five yards. yards. But <laughs> what I mean, that, that's what was infuriating looking back today. Like, I guess these guys just didn't fit what they had in mind for the offense because a lot of those guys were contributors to the offense for three years straight, and then they get no time. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Or maybe. Daryl just knew they were going to suck real bad. It's like, we're just going to throw the young guys into the fire and get them experience. I have no idea. I don't think he thought that. (laughs) I'm just going to, my guess. Did you guys, did you look at defensive stats, Tanner? I did. Um, Evan, can you you guess who led Purdue in tackles that year? In tackles that year. I'm trying to remember who's on the defense. He was a. There's some talent. Like, there should have, the defense should have been. I remember it was on the team. <laughs> Name a safety, probably. Yeah. <laughs> this time. I know. Linebacker. I know. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, think of a safety. Probably yeah. a fighter. Yeah. I probably mean, a walk-on safety. But is it a linebacker? Not. Yeah. It is. Was Sean Robinson still on the team? He was. Good yeah. guess. But Will Lucas, 73 yeah. total tackles. Anthony Brown was right behind him with 69. So there's your defensive back. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. but Anthony Brown, I mean, this it, defense, there's a lot of talent. I mean, I like, know. it's just <clears throat> mind boggling because every season that we're going to talk about, there was some talent. It just oh, never yeah. even was but, close to producing. But then you look at, uh, like, we, I know what I, we haven't really talked about. I remember what we talked about with like or reading or people saying about Etling was how bad the offensive line was for him. It was bad. It, which it was. But then look at, okay, the defensive line. Bruce Gaston led the team in sacks. With three, three sacks, yep. Which is like, which is nothing. So yeah. Purdue, as, Purdue as a team had uh, like 15 sacks. Yeah, they like weren't getting sacks at all. So guys He's are getting time and just dominated. Hurt. Your secondary can only really hold them so long. Yeah, um, I mean, Ricardo Hahn has six picks. Six picks, exactly. He had a good season that year. Yeah, mm-hmm. he actually had a really good season on just an awful team, and that's what was. I think he had two, two if not three of those in the bucket game. Mm-hmm. I hope that so. was just frustrating, and it's nice to see him balling out still on Sunday. Yeah, he so, came, yeah. Anthony dad, Brown, Anthony Brown had a touchdown today. Is that what you yes, said? He's on this yeah. touchdown. My dad today compared Ricardo Allen 
even though his teams didn't have the same success at Purdue, but he compared Ricardo Allen to Etwan Moore when it comes to Purdue. A really solid player that we didn't really appreciate yeah. that much. I can see and looking that. back, he was just solid mm-hmm. in every aspect. Yeah. And, and they're both having good pro careers now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah they both kind of found, they they never found thought about that, but both found their fit with teams that are birds and go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We'll go back to your, your uh, question, Andrew, about what we felt going into the offseason. I, I think I definitely felt some optimism just because of Etling, but also because we had just, we were signing a kid, you know, a small quarterback from Texas that kind of reminded us a lot of, you know, another quarterback that we got from Texas with David Blau. We knew he was coming in. I think there was definitely some excitement in terms of like, hey, we can still recruit quarterbacks. Now it's just got to get the talent around them. Well, and I personally, and I, I, I wanted him to get a shot because I really enjoyed getting to know him when I was a manager. I was still rooting for Austin Appleby to get a shot. Oh, yeah, I think he was a real talent too, and he was mm-hmm. sitting behind Atling. So going into the next year, I was like, you know, he might, if Atling doesn't play well, he might get a chance. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll foreshadowing there. But. Going into 2014, Gold Black has a cover here. Says, uh, looking forward, Hazel sees better days. That hat. 24 season, 2014 season was a. Li- I was gonna hazel my hat for this podcast. Oh my god, you ruined. Yeah. I didn't want to ruin a hat doing that, but uh, uh, 2014 was a little better than 2013, and we'll get into that. But we gotta talk about the recruiting class first. That was ranked 70th by 24. Tw- uh, 24-7 sports and 71st by rivals, but it was led by Jalen Robinson, who was a four-star commit, of course, of the legacy, the son of the big dog. Chose Purdue over Notre Dame and some other big offers. Um, I was really excited about him. Mm-hmm. He had some other guys. He had DJ Knox, Cole Herdman, Juwan Bentley, Tim Kaysen, Kirk Barron, David Blau, like you mentioned, Jalen Robinson, of course. Um, just sucks that these guys didn't really you know, produce until they had a different coach. Coaching them. Yeah. That's just, that's just, that's just, I mean, who yep. knows what, what they could have done for over, you know, three to four years if they had the right coach. Yep. Mm. So going into the 2014 season, this cover says pressing the right buttons, and you have <laughs> Ryan Russell, Danny Etling, Raheem Mostert on the cover for the preview. I forgot how much I didn't like those jerseys looking back. I maybe just because yeah, it reminds me of, because this is also when we started bringing back, you know, this is when the Hazel years is also when we started doing different things with uniforms, like bringing in different colors, doing, we had brought a new helmet and all that, but just, they just remind me of just awfulness. Another uh, cover here says comfort zone. Second year produces sharper spring. Then um, also have cover here out of the gate. Eileen hopes to get Boilermakers off the fast start and Purdue got off to a good start week one. Um, Daryl Hazel, Gets a second career win as Purdue's head coach and takes down PJ Fleck, forty-three thirty-four. Forty-three points, it's like all the points yeah. we scored. Like yeah, the previous high, the year before, Purdue scored was, oh my god, twenty-four. <laughs> Twice. Nope, nope, thirty-six against Indiana. Okay. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Still, but still. there were also how many games were they shut out last in thirteen? Three, two or three, two. Ohio State, yeah, and Michigan State back to back weeks. And they scored yeah. seven, they one, scored seven the week twice, before, seven twice, 10, 14 twice, 16. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> so and then I remember, all right, we're one to know. We got Central Michigan coming in, who's usually a decent max school, but we we can take care of them, get off the two and zero start. Central Michigan waxed the floor <laughs> with 38 17. I remember Edling throwing a couple pick sixes that game, and yeah. Off in the, the defensive line for Central Michigan was just getting in there at ease. 
I'm like, how is this happening with the Mac school? And, and, and Daryl should know these Mac schools. I mean, he came yeah. from the Mac. He should know these schools well. This, this is your last semester, wasn't it, Tan? This is your yes, last it semester. Yes, yeah. it was. Um, I was actually in Denver, Colorado watching that game. And, yeah, it wasn't fun. But at least I was in Denver, so I didn't have yeah. to really worry about that. Because I did to that date, I didn't miss too many Purdue games. I missed yeah. the first two that year. So, um then the following week, we played Notre Dame in a game that was supposed to be at Notre Dame, but it got uh, moved to Lucas Oil. And this is, to date, the last time Purdue's played Notre Dame. That, that should, change, should change in the 2021 season. We're supposed to play at Notre Dame, so hopefully that holds up. But this yeah. is, was part of their Shamrock series. Purdue was competitive for a half, but ended up losing 30-14. to 14. Wasn't really a surprise, but yeah. frustrating to lose to Notre Dame, of course. Then we played Southern Illinois, who was ranked 16th in the FCS rankings, beat them 35-13. So we're sitting at 2-2 two and two when conference season rolls around. Iowa comes into town, and we lose 24-10, which would be the game that Purdue made another quarterback switch, taking Danny, Danny Edley down and inserting Austin Appleby. But then the following week, this is what I would call the highest moment of the Daryl Hazel era at Purdue. Purdue goes to Champaign and beats Illinois 38-27 and looks pretty good doing so. Mm -hmm. Offense actually was clicking, getting some big plays from Akeem Hunt, uh, Raheem Mostert, Danny Anthrop, Austin Appleby. The offense just looked totally better in a week. Appleby had 76 rushing yards. Yeah, the quarterbacks did a lot of yos. Akeem Hunt had 30 attempts, 177 yards. Yep. I remember watching wow. that Wings, Wings, etc. And uh, <laughs> Purdue alum and uh, uh, Bellator MMA fighter uh, Matt Matrione was sitting at the table right next to me watching the game. So that was kind of cool. Just to throw it out there that you dumped on me, Keontae Green at 51 yards that game. Just going to throw it All out right. there. 17 All right. yards per carry, three carries, 51 yards. I'm proven wrong. I'm Beast. happily proven wrong. But uh, the following week after Illinois, number eight Michigan State came into town. I believe that's when the lime green striped helmets – Made their debut for um, the cancer awareness. Cancer. Uh-huh. Uh, Purdue was very competitive against. Um, I feel like Hope or uh, sorry Hazel played Michigan State pretty close he did. every yeah, year. He did. Like I remember sitting and watching a game in South Bend, and it might have been the might have been thirteen when they lost like fourteen to zero. And I'm like, gosh, like they had so many chances. All they had to do was score twice. I remember coming out of this game, this team is turning the corner. Even though they lost 45-31, they're really competitive all the way to the end of the fourth quarter. And um, I was really optimistic going into Minnesota the next week. And this game was one of the most frustrating of the Hazel era, for me at least, is Purdue got off to a good start here, got off to a big lead, and then just choked. Um I remember vividly, very well there was a play. The Purdue's about to get the ball back late in the fourth quarter after a failed third down by Minnesota. And Taylor Richards like slams a guy 20 yards away from the play and gets a personal foul, giving Minnesota the first down to end up scoring. And they end up winning the game 39-38. <sighs> it's just like, oh, my God. This, this was a game that made me feel like, okay, this is, you know, I, I felt – you know, I, it was a fun game. You know, you actually – I didn't feel apathetic like I had for a lot of the other games where we were losing. Um, but, yeah, that, that was where it was the first time where I really had gotten frustrated at an ending because before it was always, you know, the game was over in the third quarter, so you really didn't have time to, to be mad. But this was – I remember that game. I remember watching it in my house by myself uh, on campus and just being just, like, like devastated. But also, like, okay, you know, it was nice to actually, you know, feel pissed off about a game. 
but let's let's keep moving. You know, let's let's build on this. Exactly, because it's a game Purdue should have won, but we're like, okay, we're starting to see some progression. And then the following week, we go to number seventeen Nebraska, and this is where the season kind of turned once again because Purdue's new offensive weapon that they're starting to find in Danny Anthrop tore his ACL, and Purdue ends up getting beat thirty-five fourteen. Returns home the next week to play number 25. Wisconsin was competitive for about the first half. Then Wisconsin took away in the second half, 34 to 16. Then lost senior day against uh, Northwestern, 38 to 14. Um, I, we were all at this game together, but I don't remember too much about it besides nope. sloppy. In Trevor Simeon, who was Northwestern's quarterback, tore his ACL in that mm-hmm. game early on. I do recall that. And then Purdue travels to Indiana again, back-to-back years. I forget why that happened, but somehow the schedule. It had to have been with the division changes. I think it was something. with the legends and leaders yeah. going out the wayside because Nebraska joined, and yeah. so it was split east to west. But Purdue lost a game they should have won thirty or 23-16. I remember Anthony Brown had a pick hit him right in the gut. That would have sealed the game, and he dropped it, and then Indiana scored and won the Indiana, game. Indiana scored with 30 seconds left, so – to take the lead. Yep. So uh three and nine season 2014, two game improvement from 2013. But I f- remember feeling like okay, this next year is gonna be the year in 2015. Mm-hmm. The quarterback, the offense yelled <laughs> for a while until Anthrop got hurt. We got a lot of young players contributing. Things are going in the right direction. And once again, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> but, uh, looking at a few quick stats real quick. Austin Appleby had 144 completions on 272 attempts. 1,449 yards, 10 touchdowns, 11 picks. Atling was 89 for 166, 800 yards, six touchdowns, five picks. He would end up transferring to LSU after that season. Uh, Which was mind-boggling, too, the fact that he was going to. I mean, I guess they weren't really known for being offensive power like they were last year under Joe Burrow, but still it was like, okay, he's going from – bottom seller of the Big Ten to, you know, the SEC and, you know, a team that had, you know, not that long ago won a national championship. So I think just, that shows you that he had talent, but yeah. not the proper coaching or the proper tools around him. Yeah. Um, running the ball, Keem Hunt had a good year, 173 carries, 949 yards, six touchdowns. We finally saw our guy Raheem Mostert go out with a bang, 93 carries for 529 yards, three touchdowns. Austin Appleby actually had 61 carries for 198 yards and five touchdowns. And Danny Etling also had three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Hunt led the team in receiving receptions with 48. Uh, Anthrop led them with uh, yards, and it wasn't even close. He had 616 yards, and Hunt was the second closest, Mm. 293. Justin Sins at 257. Cameron Posey. Gabe Holmes both had uh, just shy over 200. B.J. Knopf got banged up this year, and that mm-hmm. kind of ended his career. He only had 15 catches for 106 yards. Most are at 116. D'Angelo Yancey had a bad sophomore year, 12 catches, 147 yards, but three touchdowns. And Delapa McCarthy, only seven catches for seven, 70 yards. So a guy that was a big part of the Hope offense only had eight catches for um, 76 yards in two years under Daryl Hazel. So, but on defense, uh, Juwan Bentley was the leading tackler as a freshman of 76. Um, Frankie Williams was right behind him with 74. Jacob Polgo had three and a half sacks. Landon Feicher had five interceptions. Frankie Williams, three. So, but before we get into the 2015 season, 
We got a few sponsors that we are thankful that are sponsoring the Boiler Breakdown Podcast. First up, Boiler Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by Mad Mushroom. Serving Boilermakers since 1993, Mad Mushroom is located in the heart of West Lafayette and is known as the original home as the home of the original cheese sticks. But whenever I visit, I like to sit down and have an ice cold beer while trying out their latest pizza of the month. I saw today was National Sausage Pizza Day. So if you're hungry, you still got time. Order yourself a sausage pizza. So next time you're in town, stop by and tell them the boiler breakdown sent you for five dollars off any order over twenty dollars. And also any listener of the podcast can use the coupon code to break five. That's in all caps, B-R-E-A-K-5, to claim your discount online at madmushroom.com. Mad Mushroom, feed your head. And we, once again, are thrilled to have them on board for season two of the Boiler Breakdown podcast. Absolutely. So heading into the 2015 season, it's full steam ahead. Boilermakers confident coming out of spring camp. They signed a recruiting class that was ranked 67th by uh, – 24-7 sports, 68th by rivals. A lot of names I think Boilermaker fans will remember in this class, including Bryson Hopkins, Anthony Mahungo, Joe Shopper, Marcus Bailey, Toria Fuller, Markel Jones, Elijah Sindelar, Matt McCann, just to name a few. And here's the cover. Head, heads out of state, Mr. Football honorees, highlight class 2015. You got Mr. Football and Markel Jones in Indiana. You got Mr. Football in Kentucky, Elijah Sindelar coming in. I remember being very excited about those two guys. Absolutely. And then you also had some veteran cornerbacks and Anthony Brown and Frankie William, the Tampa, Florida boys. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty cool cover there. <laughs> Greetings from Tampa. Produce QBs bring swagger, and they definitely brought swagger since the moment they got on campus. So going into 2015 season, I was feeling more optimistic than I was going into 2014 season. Were you guys, if you, if you remember correctly? Oh, absolutely, yeah. But like Andrew mentioned earlier within the comment about all eggs in, in one basket, that's all Daryl Hazel said going into the opening game at Marshall. <sighs> all emphasis on the Marshall game. Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. It was a uh-huh. Sunday game on Labor Day weekend. Uh-huh. First play of the year, Appleby throws a pick six. Yep. <laughs> very first play. Oh, uh, God. I remember this game being very back and forth, and DJ Knox kind of – making his presence felt as a freshman running back mm-hmm. during that game. Mm-hmm. A game that was maddening that Purdue ended up losing 41-31. And just I remember just being pissed off. Just like, here we go again. Yep. I mean, literally, this is was the focal point all offseason, and we blew it. Yeah. Um, turn around <laughs> next week. Gets, gets, Gosh, it was, yeah. Uh, gets Indiana Apple, State. Yeah. We took care of them this time. 38-14. I do remember Appleby threw a last-second Hail Mary to end the half to Dan Monteroso, I believe was mm-hmm. his name, that he ended up transferring and actually playing college Play basketball. basketball for a D2 or D3 school mm-hmm. in Ohio. Um, but Purdue cruised. And then the next week, I remember a full Rossett Stadium showing up for the Virginia Tech Hokies coming into town, a home-and-home home that Purdue's got to finish up here. It's sometime on the future schedule. I, I don't know. I've seen it. I don't know. It was like 2023, 20, 24, something like that. We have to make the trip out to Blacksburg, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. But Purdue uh, got beat pretty, pretty handily 51 24. I don't uh, remember this game for whatever reason. I, only if I missed thing it. I remember or... Danny Wichiku having a scoop and score when Virginia Tech was about ready to score from the red zone and he ran all the way. Yeah. Early in the game, place was going nuts. But 
I remember a lot of turnovers on Purdue's end, and Virginia Tech was just so much more talented, and it showed, and so much well coached, so much better coach. I mean, Frank Beamer, just it's Beamer ball, man. But I, the following week, uh, Bowling Green comes into town, and we lose uh, 35 28. And I believe we made the switch to David Blau prior to this game. Prior to this game? I don't remember. Um, if not, it was David. That, is, that yeah. is correct. Austin Appleby did not throw a pass in this game. Blau Marshall went one for one, <laughs> nine yards. Uh, the recruit that came on as a quarterback and never really. That was one of the four. He was in that four quarterback class, right? With... He was in the 2012 class. Yeah. Yep. With 2011 class. No, 2012, 2012 class. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember Purdue this game wore the like acrylic gray uniforms and their mask right. or their face mask had like all gray and then lime green on the very yep. center. It was a unique look that they've never wore again since. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Uh, it was another yep. frustrating Mac loss by mm-hmm. a touchdown, 35-28. I just remember we had a really bad turnover at, towards the end of the game. I don't remember the exact details. I remember – my mom went with me to this game, and I'm just looking at the stats, and we just, but it's like we only had 350 yards. No, 426 to 539. That was passing. Sorry, 350 to 400. Yeah, I don't know. Not remembering any of the game, but it doesn't look pretty. And, and then the following week, I remember so we were going school. to number two, Michigan State, thinking we're going to get our brakes beaten off. And Purdue played one of their better games Daryl Hazel and lost 24-21, and Marco Jones went off. Mm-hmm. Daryl Hazel, like, collectively didn't beat Michigan State, but only lost by, like, three touchdowns total. Yeah. Yeah. 17 points, I believe. Total? Well, did he uh, play Michigan State next year in 16? Did he not make it that far? Or he, did not, he did not play Michigan State in 2016. Perfect, yeah. So, in so. 2014, they lost by 14 points. 2013, they lost by 14. Okay, yeah, so they lost by 30. Okay, 31. 30, 31 points in three games, but. but uh, a lot better than any other opponent he fared against. Except I mean, the like the freaking Mac schools beat him by way more than that. So I remember coming off the game like, okay, once again, like maybe with things are clicking, we just almost pulled the upset of the year off. <laughs> so we're hosting Minnesota, who was very average at the time, at ross Aid, 41-13. <laughs> I believe I left that game early. Um if not, I should have. <laughs> this is this is right when I was like, all right, I'm with you, Tanner. Like, it's gonna happen. It's gonna mm-hmm. click. I mean, Etling's in now. He's he's looking good as a freshman. Okay, and then it's middle of second quarter, and I'm like, gosh, I'm gonna go like take a walk outside and not watch this game. <laughs> and then we went to Wisconsin, of course, lost twenty four seven. And then I started thinking, uh oh, we're not taking steps forward. Like I felt like we took a step forward from 12, 13, 14. I think we're taking steps backwards. All yes, I was about to say, like, when was it that you guys started to think this isn't working out at all? Like we need to make a change at some point. I think it was about that time. Yeah. Like, right in that middle of that 15 mm-hmm. season. Like I was all for, I, I, I've always been for a college coach getting four years mm-hmm. or at least getting into his fourth year, but I was really starting to think this isn't going well. No. Like, I, I was on the wall. I was ready. I think 14. I think he needed his fourth year. I was ready to see what would happen in the fourth year. Then uh, we we came back and, and hosted Nebraska. Now, Nebraska was playing about their fifth-string quarterback. Riker David, Fife. Yes. David Blau had a really good game. We won 55-45. 
but Try they almost they Try almost came back. <laughs> they 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 had a flurry of touchdowns at the end, if I remember right. Yeah. I was at this game with a buddy on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yep, they it was nobody there. It was the state. We were yeah. I did not them. go to this game, and I don't remember why. I I literally think I was so mad. I just didn't want to go. I, <laughs> I I didn't want to go. I was I was there with a friend who's a big Nebraska fan. And he doesn't get to see Nebraska much, so I'm like, I'll fine, I'll go, and I'll I'll take the pain. And then it was then I was pleasantly like, oh my gosh, Purdue scored 50 points. I remember the um, footage of Hazel like diving into the players in the locker room after that game. Like did a running start in the hallway and jumped, and they were going nuts. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that, that guy's probably just thrilled right now because he's been. At least in his yeah. mind, putting in a lot of hard work. And yeah. that, finally, something clicks for him one week. I don't doubt that big, he was working a big hard. Program, but no, yeah. I'm sure he was working hard. It just it didn't click. I mean, we 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 which we, we can get into that. We can we, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we can talk about that in a little bit once. Okay, Evan, I want to go back and retrace my answer. This next week was when I said, okay, this isn't working. Okay, out. okay. I was in <laughs> Illinois. I remember taking a buddy of ours who was oh, yeah, in Illinois. Yeah, yeah, I don't yes, care what he this says. Was, this was it, yeah. Illinois <laughs> ran all over Purdue. 48-14. I mean, yeah. he killed him. Yeah. Close. Yeah. That was, was that was the moment. I'm like, it's time. Like, Was this when Westlunt got hurt? Didn't he get hurt against Purdue? I think that was the year before. In oh. Champaign. Because I see yeah. Westlaunt, they had a backup end through four passes. So I, I they, know. they did whatever they wanted. They game. may have taken him out in the fourth yeah, quarter because the game was over. Then tra- Purdue traveled to number 24 Northwestern. I don't remember anything about this game. The score was 21-14, but I don't nope. remember anything about that game. Or do I do the following week at number six, Iowa? And a- oh, I do remember this game. We lost 40 to 20 because David Blau got knocked out with a concussion. It wasn't able to play the next week in the bucket game. So Austin Appleby had to come back in, start the bucket game, in which was back at Ross State and IU won their third straight bucket game, 54 36. But that made like how many bucket games in a row with a different starting quarterback? I mean, right. 2015, it was <sighs> Appleby. Actually, that was back to back because 2014 would have been Appleby. 2013 would have been that length. 2012 was Marv, 2011 was Turbush, 2010 was Henry, 2009 was Elliot, then before that was Painter. Painter, yeah. But yeah, so so Appleby was the first who, Painter to start back-to-back bucket. And then who was the backup for that game? Like they were redshirting Sindelar. They were redshirting him though, right? But that was before the four games, so they weren't going to burn his redshirt, right? Oh, because he came in for a pass that game. He, he was a student body president one year. Oh, yes. Uh, Aaron yeah. Banks. Aaron Banks, yeah. Yeah. I, remember, I just remember it was like, okay, well, what happens if he gets hurt? Like, he can't burn Cinderella's red shirt. Yeah, bring him in for a pass because yeah. like that happened, and they didn't want to that, And that was – I remember that was a discussion of – I remember, like, I think it was you, Tanner, you and I talked with our friend Aaron Lynch. who has been on the podcast. We were like – I think, I think Aaron was all for burning it and just playing it. I was like, you're not going to waste an entire year on one you, game. I know you're going to be listening to this, so of course you are. I know you're going to want us to do this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, 2015 ends up with a 2-10 and 10 record. I remember just thinking it Yikes. might be time, even though I, I've always been a proponent and given – Somebody four years, but I remember having just no optimism going in 2016. And wasn't this – this was the last year of Morgan Burke, correct? Yes, it was. Yeah. So was, that was – When yeah. – was was Babinski hired at the beginning of the year or wasn't – was it in the fall? 
I, I got I got a cover to bring that up here in a, here in a bit, but it was a, the very start of twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, I think it was spring twenty sixteen, maybe. Um, but uh, passing stats: Blau led Purdue with one hundred sixty nine completions, two hundred ninety three attempts, one thousand five hundred seventy four yards, ten touchdowns, eight picks. Appleby also threw for over a thousand yards, one thousand two hundred sixty, but eight touchdowns, eight picks. And Austin Appleby would end up transferring after the season to Florida. So another Boiler QB goes to the SEC, which actually he and Danny Etling played against each other once, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Appleby team won that game. Um, so we had two quarterbacks go start in SEC, which always just didn't sit well. And they both did pretty well. Yeah. So I looked at – Danny Etling did still a practice squad quarterback yeah. right now in the yeah. NFL. Etling did a lot better than I thought. His last year at LSU, he threw 16 touchdowns and two picks and started mm-hmm. all 13 games. But Etling's actually looking – or not Etling. A- Appleby's stats are – Fairly comparable, actually, than what they were at Purdue. I was yes. surprised by yep. that. Yep. His yep. last year at Florida, they were very ten, – 10 touchdowns, 7 picks compared yep. to 8 touchdowns, 8 picks the year before. Right. Almost the same yardage. So, But, yes, he did go play for an SEC and I'm school that is more nationally relevant than Purdue has been <laughs> in a very, very ever. Didn't, I probably, didn't they have a big win that year, too? Might have been like against – Tennessee or yeah, big one against LSU that he threw like okay. a ninety-yard touchdown. Maybe that was it. Yeah, against against Etling, is that the one you just said? I think so. I think I think well, I don't think I'm getting my facts. This isn't a Florida podcast. No, I, Evan. Know. I know, I know, I know. Yep. But Marco Jones was awesome that year. 168 uh-huh. carries, 875 yards, but 10 touchdowns. Uh, DJ Knox also had a 409 yards, two touchdowns. Then your other two leading rushing. Uh, Rushers and touchdowns with Blau and Appleby both at four each. Receiving uh, Danny Anthrop in his Purdue career, bouncing back with 57 catches, led the team in receptions. 430 yards, two touchdowns. D'Angelo Lignancy had a bounce back year with 48 catches, 700 yards, five touchdowns. Besides that, it's pretty much running backs. That that was a common theme in the Shuba offense. Running backs were involved in the passing game heavily. So, Quick but passes. I mean. But was that because the offensive line was was so bad that they had no time, so there was nothing to develop? And that's why it's kind of surprising how many yards Yancey had. So he had almost almost not not quite almost not quite double, I guess, what the second guy in yards was, but less catches. So he actually had big plays compared to what Anthro. Mm-hmm. Tell me on defense who led the team in tackles. Was that Rapolo? No, 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 no. no. I forgot about this guy. I forgot about this guy as well. Yes, defensive back, safety. Or, I believe safety. I think he played a little bit of both. Yeah. I don't know. That's I think. Yeah. No. Five. I can't. Leroy Clark. Uh, Evan Pamphill led the team in sacks with four. Okay. Anthony Brown led him with in picks with four. But before we get into the 2016 season, I want to mention another sponsor of the Boiler Breakdown podcast, another new sponsor, and that's Webb's Family Pharmacy. Webb's Family Pharmacy is an independently owned community pharmacy with stores located in Rochester, Akron, and North Manchester, Indiana. Webb's is happy to announce that they are providing flu shots by appointment right in your car. Simply call to set up an appointment, and their friendly and caring staff will be happy to help you. For all of your high-quality medical equipment, supplies, and pharmacy services, Check out www.webrx.com or give them a call today. Webb's Family Pharmacy, the professional pharmacy with a hometown touch. And we are, once again, very happy to have them on board. And like Evan mentioned last week, 
Boiler owned. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So going into the 2016 season, here's the previous. It's time to make a stand, and you got Jawan Bentley, Jacob Pogel, D'Angelo Yancey, and Markel Jones on the cover. Uh, Bentley's holding Purdue Peach sledgehammer there. It's a pretty good core. Yeah, some talent there. The big news to build on going into season was a new athletic director, Mike Bobinski. Hired experience, really like that we could remember because obviously Morgan Burke was mm-hmm. you know pretty much there our entire lifetime as that up to that point. Mike Bobinski came from, like I said, Georgia Tech, where Paul Johnson was the football coach. He did hire um Josh Pastner for the basketball job. Previously to that, he was at Xavier, who doesn't have a football program, but of course a very successful basketball program. So he had the tools of the trade in both basketball and football. I believe he played baseball at Notre Dame, so he he had, he had played collegiate sports, which was cool. Uh, shout out to Steve Dodson there for the uh, very comment. tough. Yes, uh, <laughs> we are we are ready to get through these last six games. On, uh, on Carol Hayes, yes, uh, we're going to fly through this because but I, I, before we move on, I guess what was your what do you guys remember about hiring Babinski? Very little. I, I was just excited for a change. I think yeah. I thought Morgan did a great job mm-hmm. as far as. The non-revenue sports. I think he did wonders for. Yeah, absolutely. Golf. I mean, for, for, women's for, golf. Yeah, the facilities like um, Alexander Field, mm-hmm. uh, the new soccer pro, uh, soccer folk field, um, softball stadium, the golf courses. I mean, great golf courses there at Purdue. You got to be. And Andrew knows it's probably tough to find two really high quality, collegiate golf courses like that, and at least in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was time for a fresh start with somebody yeah. else. So. It I kind of it. felt – it kind of – oh, go for it. Be sorry. No, go for it. Go for it. I was – kind of what you said there, Tanner, like to add to it, stale. Kind of like at the end of Tiller to where it was just kind of time for something yep. different. Yep. He'd been there for – I mean, he was the third yeah. longest tenured AD, I believe, in, in Division One at the time. So, so, but I knew Daryl was on a short leash. I think we all yeah. knew that. I mean, yeah. he pretty much said he was going to see how it went, but you could kind of tell his gears were already moving to – who do I want to lead? Get his guy. Yeah. He wanted his own guy. Yeah. He didn't want Morgan's guy. So, uh, so there was last final recruiting class, which actually Brom ended up. Well, I guess Brom ended up signing this class technically, maybe. Yeah, he did. He, he but yeah. It was ranked 80th for a uh, 24-7 sports and 73rd on rivals. Um, had a few guys that are still contributing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samitsi, uh, oh goodness, Fashiki <laughs> is that what is that what here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who will play be a role on Purdue's defense this year in 2020? Uh, Brian Linkford Johnson, I had forgotten forgot about, about him. him. Speedy running back that ended up leaving Purdue, and I'm not sure where he is. Grant Hermans, Simeon Smiley, Jared Sparks, Jackson Anthrop that uh, just found out that Jackson hurt his shoulder, had surgery. Yeah. Hoping to get him back midseason this year. We're going to see on that. Lorenzo Neal, Austin Larkin, J.D. Dellinger, Anthony Watts, and Navon Mosley. So a lot of names still on the Boilermaker team mm-hmm. right now. 2016 season starts off David Blau's quarterback. And actually, David would end up starting every game this year, which was the first time since Joey Elliott did that in 2009. And Purdue hasn't had that since. Um, maybe they will in 2020. Mm. Who knows? We'll talk about that here in a bit. But uh, Sarkov beating Eastern Kentucky 45-24. Not much else to say about that. 
Then Cincinnati comes into Ross State for the finish up the home and home. Lost 38 to 20. I remember just a ton of turnovers in this game. Mm-hmm. Then Nevada comes into Ross State to start a home and home, which we're never speaking of the <laughs> trip to Reno ever again. But uh, <laughs> they did get a win over Bill Pullian's son on this day, 24 to 14. And then I'll never forget this next game at Maryland, which Purdue got humiliated 50 to 7. Because my dad, who has been a lifelong Purdue fan and always gives coaches the benefit of the doubt, said, it's time for him to go. That was his words after this game. And I remember Purdue had a right tackle. His, his name was Neil. Jalen Neal. I hope he's not listening to this podcast. <laughs> he was the worst offensive alignment I've ever seen in my life. That game against Maryland, he let at least five sacks and didn't touch the guy. He didn't even put his hands on him. He <laughs> oh. Yeah, he was one that left pretty, pretty quick when Brom got on because I bet Brom looked at the tapes like this dude couldn't <laughs> for an AIA program. He was not good. Oh, he was God. not good. Um, yeah, in that, I mean, just got killed at Maryland. And I think everybody thought maybe the firing was coming. Mm-hmm. But the Purdue held off. They went to Illinois, and Purdue won 34 31 in overtime over against Lovey Smith. Yes, sir. I remember um, oh, yeah. the freezing happening here where Purdue froze Illinois' kicker. He misses a kick. And then I think Lovey froze Dellinger three times before J.D. made the – I thought it was – I thought it was actually – I, 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 I want to say Hazel okay. called all three timeouts like in a row or something or something like that. Like it was something just stupid, but it worked. I remember being in Denver, Colorado for this game too. So Yeah, I was up in my grandma's house. Yeah. So Hazel gets the win. Uh, so Purdue's three and two at the time. They actually have a winning record. I do remember the following week as homecoming against Iowa. Purdue loses 49-35 in a game that was a lot closer than the score indicated. I remember tweeting Mike Bubinski and Mitch Daniels at halftime saying, <laughs> it's time, all caps. <laughs> That's all I said. In the following day, Daryl Hazel was fired as Purdue's head coach, even yeah. though their record was three and three at the time. Then Jared Parker would take over. Purdue went at number eight, Nebraska, lost 27-14, even though they hung in there for a while. Hosted number 24, Penn State, in a game that was close at half, but it ended up being 62-24. Went to Minnesota, lost 44-31. Hosted Northwestern, got I left this game early, got killed 45-17. Hosted number six, Wisconsin. I left this game early, and Drew Brees was in town for this game. They were interviewing him on TV about finding the right coach, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. We lost 49-20. Then we're at Indiana. Lose a heartbreaker 26-24 for Indiana's fourth straight bucket win, which was like the first time that happened since like World War One or two. I think it was World War II, yeah. And I remember Bob Kravitz saying that P.J. Fleck was going to be the Boilermakers' next head coach, but Bobby Boy was wrong. Surprise, surprise there. <laughs> and um, – Purdue ended up hiring Jeff Brom, which we will talk about hopefully next week. We'll finish up the eras before we start getting into the actual talk about the season coming up. Um, looking back on a few stats real quick. Uh, Blau led Purdue in passing, of course. Um, had 3,352 yards, 25 touchdowns, but 21 interceptions. I believe that mm-hmm. led the country. Yep. Well, Isaac Sindelar got some mop-up duty, 14 for 32 yards. 14 completions on 32 attempts, 165 yards, zero touchdowns, three picks. I remember, if I remember this correctly, this was the wrong year. Was this his first action as quarterback, really? Yes, like he this was year? a red shirt. Did not look good. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. 
it was hard thinking now, thinking back. That yeah, he yeah. Harder in 2017. It's crazy what a coach can do. Yep. Markel Jones, 616 yards, led him in rushing with four touchdowns. But like I said, Langford Johnson had 48 carries for 314 yards, two touchdowns. Richie Worship, 35 carries for 133 yards, two touchdowns. D'Angelo Yancey had a great year, 49 catches, 951 yards, 10 touchdowns. That led him to getting drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Surprise! Sure. Finally found his fitting that year with 40 catches, 477 yards, three touchdowns. Cameron Posey had 356 yards, three touchdowns. So those two guys went all out with a good note. Cole Herdman, 35 catches, 344 yards, three touchdowns. A young freshman named Bryson Hopkins, 10 catches, 183 yards, and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on defense, Marcus Bailey, who was coming off an ACL tear, led the team in tackles with 97. Evan Panfield and Jalen Robinson led the team tied with four sacks. And Marcus Bailey led the team with four interceptions. And that's the Daryl Hazel era, 9-33 and 33 at Purdue after being 16-10 and 10 at Kent State, only having two years of head coaching experience when Purdue hired him. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, we never have to go through that again. Oh, my God, that was awful. But on a bright new note, Rondell Moore's back. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. That was uh, – did you guys – Looking back, I mean, obviously, because he announced he was opting out before anything happened with the Big Ten. Did you guys, when when uh, the Big Ten announcement was coming back, what, what was your guys' thought? Did you think he was going to come back at all, or what was your – I wasn't too optimistic. I no, did I not. Thought, no way in hell he's coming back. <laughs> uh, I figured he was just fully NFL draft, which yeah. I totally get. But oh, yeah. um, I think he's a pretty competitive guy, and he wants to kind of show. And I probably – I mean – go out, have a good year, and improve his draft stock. I don't know where he was. I know some people had him top 10. I think some people had him like late first round, so maybe it was across the board. It would have been a weird year. It yeah. would have been year without being any game time or two years basically when the draft came around. So mm-hmm. I, I do remember I remember uh, I knew he was taking online classes, but he was going to do that anyway, so I was mm-hmm. like, that's not anything. But I do remember when Minnesota's Rashad Bateman was trying to get back in, even though he had hired an agent. I thought, okay, so that's one guy that him and Rondell are right neck and neck on a lot of mock drafts. I'm like, if he comes back and rips it up and Rondell sits out, that might not look good for Rondell's yeah. draft. Test, even though I still believe he's got to completely tear it up at the combine, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. But then we kind of on Golden Black started hearing some rumors that there might be something yeah. to this. And then he announces live at 440 Eastern time on ESPN2. He's coming back, wants to prove to the nation that he's the best wide receiver. I I mean, what else can you say? I'm just excited we get to watch him for nine more games. Mm-hmm. Even though we yeah. can't be there in person, unfortunately. But Hey, what's your cutout can for when, $75? Bucks. Oh <laughs> or, or you can get an autograph <laughs> for $95. 95. Yeah. Only autograph. 200 of those are autographed. Yeah. Autographed by who? Jeff Brown. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. So Purdue just announced that today, I believe. I saw I saw the 55. I didn't see the autograph one. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get a boiler breakdown cutout, but there's no businesses or yeah, like, no advertising. Gain it, because I just want to put our logo right there. Well, you could just do you, Tanner, with the shirt on. Boiler, and, yeah, yeah, with your, uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, damn. Oh, kind of, it looks like a Purdue. It looks like a Purdue <laughs> logo. Fly. I got to get compliance hexed. Yeah. 
Purdue had scrimmage over the weekend. Um, I don't know about you guys, but reading up on the scrimmage, I thought Jeff Brom sounded more optimistic oh, and yeah. excited going into the season than he has at Purdue yet about his team. Yeah, Sounds like – yeah, go for it. Baby. It's just it, which me, I don't know if that's just because of just everything that's happened. It's just like we're just happy just to be freaking playing at this point. Or, I mean, it, he's a guy who's usually pretty critical regardless of how, you know, good or bad we are. So it was it was definitely different to hear that, that type of tone from him after I, a, a scrimmage. I think it's the fact that it sounded like they have like nine or ten offensive linemen that are ready to play, it sounds like, that legitimately can be a Big Ten offensive line and have two deeps and not like, oh, crap, we have four, maybe five that oh, if, one or, <laughs> yeah, if one guy goes down, look out. Now it <laughs> sounds like the depth's there. And like it's like we've been saying, I mean, get his guys. It takes some time for the offensive linemen to develop from high school. It's a big change. Well, and got, need a couple like, years in the weight room. I mean, during the, the uh, whole podcast tonight, Hazel's offensive lines weren't good, so he led the cover pretty bare when Brom came oh, in. Yeah. And I, I, I had to chuckle. We did have a Facebook comment the other day. Kind of somebody's kind of ripping Jeff Brom and like, look what Flex done right away at Minnesota. I'm like, Flex took over a nine and four team. Yeah. Plays got bullied to getting into getting fired pretty much. I mean, he had him nine and four. And Jeff Brom inherited a dumpster fire that won nine games in four years and left him nothing to where. Hazel actually took over a team that had made back-to-back bowl games. I mean, it was very average and mediocre, but he had talent to always be competitive, and, and he turned them into 1-11 pretty fast with the mm-hmm. different teams. So, so like you said, it's nice to see Brahms offensive line coming together. Sounds game. like he it. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I think it did, they definitely played better, I think, toward the end of the season last year. So, um, yeah, hopefully now the depth of those redshirt freshmen, redshirt sophomores are ready to go. 100% here. Yep, Steve Dotson Keep. on Facebook here. One of our viewers said he's excited to see Lorenzo Neal. And, yeah, Absolutely. it's been a long time. It's been since the bucket game in 2018 mm-hmm. that we saw Lorenzo Neal suit up for the black and gold. And uh, he participated in the scrimmage. He's got to get in, sounds like, shape a little bit. but Because uh, it's been so long since he's played a game. But Yeah, yeah I'm excited. He's uh, probably in practice, too. I mean, but, I mean, that's always, been, that's always been, even when he was playing, I remember, because he's a big guy. Big he's a big, big boy. Dude. And for him to go full 100%, it's a lot of energy, a lot of effort. So it's like, how do you manage the snaps so you get the absolute best out of him? Get him going 100%. And snaps got to be more interesting than ever this year because you can play whoever the hell you want. Mm -hmm. Everybody can come back next year if they want, Mm -hmm. which I just think is mind-blowing because I understood at first when it was like six games, but – Playing yeah, games that's pretty close to a full season. Yeah, and you I, may play 10 if I mean, assuming bolts happen, that, that's yeah. you know, so yeah. scholarship numbers are going to be just skewed and way out there because for yeah, how any I doubt Purdue will have any seniors come back, they don't have many seniors, and that's one thing. This mm-hmm. Purdue team is young, mm-hmm. um, but maybe well, you, have, have, you don't see a very big recruiting class right now, too, because we don't need the number like we had in the past, so. Do you think that helps or hurts Purdue? Because I could kind of see it both ways. I mean, you get the yeah, because you get the development, you get the guys for one more year. So, like Grant Hermans, for example, I know he's a, he's a senior who hopefully is going to be playing on Sundays. But say he doesn't have a great year, or decides like, no, I want a one more year in college, unfortunately, or something. Yeah, I mean, he's got one more year, so then mm-hmm. like that's great. Like our starting left tackle, I'd keep him. I'd yeah. absolutely take him next Absolutely. year. I mean, this year, next year, or yeah. Um, but then also I could see it with recruiting kind of helping recruiting as well, because then maybe not, I don't know. Cause I don't think like the sec guys, like the top schools, the top recruits, 
those guys aren't going to come back most likely. So the freshmen that would go there, it's not like they're going to be overly competitive. It's going to the, the roster is going to be stacked basically for everybody's teams should be stacked. It feels like for four or five the next four years after. And I'm glad Purdue's not signing a big class for mm-hmm. 2021 because we would be in more trouble if so, especially at wide receiver because we have oh. a ton of young wide receivers. You can't retro any of them right now. No. Uh, there's no well, there's no advantage to because they all yeah. are going to come in as freshmen next year. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're all going to play probably. I mean, we'll probably see yeah. a lot of them. Which yeah, we're going to awesome. see it, Which the depth that wide receiver and the talents just – I just get excited just thinking about it. I mean, that's why I feel terrible for Jackson Antup, and but he can come back next year, yeah, if he wants to. Yeah. But I feel terrible for him. But we have so many other guys that can slip right in there compared to years past. I'm not too worried about it, but I feel bad for him because he's mm-hmm. a boilermaker through and through, and gives it his all even through injuries. So, but uh, as much excitement that there is on the offensive side of the ball, and especially the QB race, which sounds like it's. Probably between Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell. Austin Burton's a close third, it sounds like, which isn't too much of a surprise. I still think Jack Plummer will win the job week one against Iowa. But Mm -hmm. I'm excited for the demon side of the ball, too. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people are – I mean, there's a lot of young talent there. A new coordinator, Bob Diaco, which I'm not sure what the – Yeah, we have no idea what the hell he's going to throw out there. (laughs) (laughs) We just got word that DJ Johnson transferred from Iowa. Just got – well – I think the NCAA, NCAA, NCAA yeah, on the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten will. I wasn't worried about the Big Ten. I was more worried about the NCAA. I don't know. Kevin Warren has made some shaky mm-hmm. decisions. That is true. That so, is true. Not, let's not count it yet, but, I mean, we'll this, could be, this could be I'm, one of the best secondary we've had in a long time. I'm excited, to see, I'm excited to see linebackers just because there's so much kind of unknown there. I mean, Derek Barnes moving back to linebacker, and then the, uh, the Juco just sounds – Central. Who's yeah. massive. He's like <laughs> – he's like, Six three, like two seventy five, mm-hmm. and he like they've seen pictures and videos of him out there. Looks like he's a fun guy out there, always like dancing. He is a cut. Get Nielsen <laughs> return to form, and you got Karloftis, who's got another year experience. Yeah, getting excited. Hey, we're <laughs> last two weeks away, boys. Did yeah. anybody put money on Rondell Moore for Heisman? Because yeah. like I bet his odds were, I bet his odds were pretty high. Oh, maybe you probably got him at a bad time then before yeah, he opted after, out. After last season, I put a buck on it to win fifty one dollars, but eh. I did put some money on Purdue to win the Big Ten, not the West, the Big Ten. And if they do, I'm just gonna say I will be running. I'll be streaking around my neighborhood. <laughs> pretty rich guy, so richer, I guess. Not rich, but richer. So. But, uh, yeah, well, hopefully next week we can find some time to bring you a Jeff Brom podcast, which we'll talk about 2017 uh, through now. And then starting next week, it'll be game week. And we'll yep. start now. Oh, to- I, did you see? I saw this. Uh, there's a potential rumor that, that I don't know how legitimate that Purdue Iowa could be a Friday night game. I think oh, we're going to tomorrow or Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. Like, they should but- be announcing the times. That would be awesome to not have on. to wait. I would love to not wait one extra. Like Bring take it on. I would, love to be, day. I would love to be Friday oh, yeah. night, oh, assuming yeah. we play well and win, because <laughs> the nation will watch that game. And if yeah. we can show some explosive offense again and score some points to the recruits around the nation. Have Rondell Moore reemerge and say, hey, don't forget about me. It's been a year, but yep, I'm back. And we'll talk about this more in, in two weeks when we get to game week, but – just like it is every year, it's important for Brom, a Brom team to finally get off to a good start this year because the Big Ten did Purdue a favor this year with the schedule, in my opinion. 
Yeah. So, no Michigan, and you get Rutgers and Rutgers and IU is the crossover East games. Yeah, they could have got a lot worse. So they kind of, yeah, they kind of got a favor to them. So, I mean, the week three at Nebraska, uh, Wisconsin will be tough, but Wisconsin just lost their quarterback for Jack Cohn for maybe the season, broke his foot. So, Wait, well, hopefully, we just need to keep Jeff. Yeah, Cohn, we, practice. he broke his foot. Yeah, uh, they do have a earlier this week. Yeah, uh, freshman uh, army all American freshman that will step in now, but he's a yeah. freshman. So, yeah. They're gonna hand the ball off yeah, fifty times. Yeah, we know. So we just need yeah. Lorenzo Neal still to be healthy and clogging up the middle. And hey, whoever scores the most point wins. So get the ball to Rondale or David Bell or um, oh gosh, uh, Malik Carr, Milton Wright, Milton T.J. Wright, Sheffield, Rice, T.J. Sheffield, the tight uh, end, Payne Durham, anybody? Yeah, Payne Durham, Kyle Billadell, Garrett Miller. Hey, I know we, we saw this on our. our haven't even said the running backs yet. I feel like a, a receiver that everybody is forgetting about is Milton Wright. Yep. Everybody's talking about Rondale, David Bell. You know, obviously, Marcellus Moore. Rightfully with, so, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rightfully, rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know one I forget about is Ahmad Anderson. Yeah. He's going to step in now. With He'll, he'll probably just step right into, into Jackson's role. Is, 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 that, are those a, is that the four, you think? Milton Wright? Are those going to be the starting the, – the three, four? Say week one, yeah. Start, Bell, Moore – Anderson and Wright. Yeah, I would think so for week one, but I think we'll see a ton of guys out there, which is great. Great to have that depth because I hate to say this, but of all the wide receivers on the roster, I don't think they're all going to be at Purdue their whole time. No. I think we'll see some leave due to lack of playing time, but I could be wrong. Yeah, be wrong. I mean, if Brom, if if we're throwing the ball fifty times a game and they're rotating wide receivers, then that's plenty plenty to go around. We have some nice stable running backs too, though. Right now with. Uh, King Delru and, and uh, Murphy Horvath, Horvath. yeah, and Tyreek Murphy Jr. So it's gonna be fun, guys. the other one, the other one that came in with King Delru. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I I know it's gonna be different, but I'm, I've been just getting anxious watching these other college football games that have been pretty close and entertaining. And I'm like, I want to watch Big Ten and Purdue. Like, come on! So <laughs> we're getting close, getting close. But before we wrap things up, I got to mention the third and final. Sponsor of the Boiler Breakdown, and, and they are a sponsor once again as they were sponsors of season one of the podcast, and that's Shroff Landscaping Nurseries. Shroff Landscaping has been in business for over 50 years and can handle all of your landscaping needs, including landscape design, maintenance, irrigation, hardscaping, fall cleanup, and they are licensed lawn applicators. So contact them today for all your landscaping needs at 574-223-2769. Shroff Landscaping Design with you in mind. And we thank them once again for being a recurring sponsor of the Boiler Breakdown Podcast. Absolutely. Any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up for the week? Glad we got this one over with because yeah. I was not looking forward to this one. I'm glad Andrew had the idea of talking about some current football to kind yes. of wrap up on yes. a positive note. Yeah. Glad uh, we finally have something to hopefully look forward to. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. It's been a long time since we've talked about live Purdue sports. Less than two weeks. Long time. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, yeah, Mark, March. March. Yeah, yeah, we didn't get a chance March. to talk about the Big Ten tournament. We thought we were previewing it, nope. but didn't really. Never got to really cover it. Nope. Um, yeah, we uh, covered that Rutgers loss, I guess. Let's not talk about that. I missed that uh, podcast. I remember Aaron Lynch filled in for that one. So. Yeah. So it's been a while, but it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, I look back at the Hazel era; just it's kind of a blur. I try to forget about mm-hmm. it. 
I just kind of chucked to myself as Morgan Burke in that when in the, in the announcement of firing Danny Hope, like haven't been competitive enough. <laughs> need to commit football better. You know, it's it's like just be careful what you wish for. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. oh yeah, not always green on the other side. Because I think we were already thinking we could make the next jump, and we thought we did with hiring Dara Hazel, and it was just a complete backfire and dumpster fire. And well, down. I mean, really, it was the same kind of for both. Uh, Tiller and Hope. It was we, um, we, you know, with 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 definitely with Tiller. It was kind of I was related to the uh, Nebraska Bo Pelini mindset. Uh-huh. Not, not, not as much. Not as not as much. We were not. We weren't that good consistently. But you know, they were winning eight nine games a year, and that was that wasn't not enough, good enough. Not, not good enough. And now you've got the you know our God's gift to Big Ten football, which is Scott Frost, and that. Dumpster no. fire, <laughs> and we're kind of the same way. With the, with Tiller was hey seven eight wins is just not cutting it. We need to take the next step, and then you know, we took a step back with with hope, and it was hey five six wins is not enough. Mm-hmm. We need to take a next step forward, and then <laughs> we were doing three wins. <laughs> One year of three wins, two wins, twenty sixteen. I guess even though we got fired halfway through, but he wasn't going to win another game in sixteen. Tanner. No, I know he wasn't. <laughs> they probably would have got beat worse than they did in some of the outcomes. So, uh, yes. But um, and Daryl today, he went on to be a wide receivers coach for the Minnesota Vikings for one year, and he, I don't believe, is coaching anywhere in football right now. So, I would be very surprised if he got a head coaching job anywhere else. Probably taking some credit for pretty success the last couple of years with this, some of his players. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Which. He landed some decent recruits, but he didn't recruit as good as I thought he was going to. But who would want to come play for that product on the field? So, yeah, yep. So that's that's all I got to say about that. And I'm done. Glad we are done with this one. We can move on to the Jeff Brom podcast next, and then into the season. And we got some fun stuff coming up. So we did have one more comment there, Tan. I don't know the answer to this, but. Any news about basketball attendance? Not that I know of. I haven't heard. Not. I don't so think so. I don't know if they made a decision. It's a little yeah. far out. If you're not I subscribed, to, still. Steve, if you're not subscribed to Golden Black Illustrated, I suggest you do so because that'll probably where you'll find some of the information first. Is for all them on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. If you if you have Twitter, um, are there's not going to be any fans at football, right? Correct. So far, at least. Yeah. yeah. But it is frustrating, i got to say, to watch these other conferences and schools letting in a certain percentage. In their spa- at least in some places, they're spaced out pretty well. <laughs> I mean, Notre Dame in our own state yeah. is allowing yeah. over 10,000. And it looks and just see, a lot better than empty. Yeah. And you see, like, I think it was Texas A&M had their students. Their students were all grouped together. But that's I can yeah. get that because it's the students. They're on campus together. I, Whatever. I think you should at least at least let like students and staff in students, yep. parents of fa- or family of, of players and staff of the university. I think that that I would be fine with that. I don't care if I can't go to a game, but I, I think there's got to be something. I mean, I was telling somebody the other day that this is going to be the first season I haven't been to a Purdue football game since 1999. Yeah, but it is what it is. I don't care. Yeah. I would love it for the students to go. They only yeah. you only be in college four years, one time in your life. Four and a half for some of us. Well, yeah, I went four Me and a half. Yes. <laughs> she just made a five and had a complete victory lap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one more that would have been one more football season than her basketball season. It would have been a fun one too. Yeah. But, uh, That's what I did. Uh, my last semester I technically had I'd I'd bought basketball season tickets because it started in my last semester. So I got to go I got to sit in the student section as a as a graduate for that I'm last, last. Yeah, I know. 
But uh, the, the weird thing about the student situation in Big Ten, I believe all the Big Ten students, once Thanksgiving hits, they aren't bringing their school. That's true. I forgot so they about only that. get to go to like a couple games. But still, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's still part of your college experience. I mean, okay, yeah. no tailgating. We get that. But to, to answer your question, Steve, I, I would be surprised if they allow people to come to basketball. Which I, that's going to be It will be weirder than football. Yeah. It, I don't even like imagining Purdue against IU. And Mackey with no. no fans. No. And that is when, when we got time to talk basketball later, but oh boy, um, this <laughs> for the Purdue team without fans and Mackey, it could be yeah. a long season. Because that is a that's Purdue's biggest advantage is their home court advantage of basketball. Mm-hmm. Without fans is not gonna be safe. So but we'll I see. agree. So but thanks for listening and watching and uh getting through this one with us. Um we we love you all and uh Weather breakdown podcast land. So I did. Have, we did actually last second. If you, uh, we had a last comment here. It was from Travis Miller. He said, "Is the third year was the roughest. First year was okay. It's a complete teardown. Fine. Year two was hey, progress would be Illinois played Michigan State close and had that Minnesota game. True. And year three was we got awful getting blown out at home against four, six, and six teams. Yep, it's nail on the head. That's why he runs uh, Hammer Rails. Well, was one of the contributors for Hammer Rails. So I mean. Yeah, it just ugly, ugly, ugly football to look back and talk about. And I'm glad we yep. hopefully don't have to say his name too many more times on the podcast going forward. Nope. With that said, we're going to wrap things up and we'll see you here within the next week. Like always, boiler up, hammer down.